Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So we're in this series called What Do I Do If? And it's a series about marriage, but actually it's about a lot more than just marriage. See, we're standing here looking at a new year, 2021. And I really believe that we can build something beautiful this year, that we can aim for something better this year. But in order to do that, we're going to need to come together. Have you ever noticed that sometimes something can be really, really simple, but it's not necessarily easy? Like, I'll give you an example, dunking a basketball. That's really simple. Just jump 42 inches off the floor and put the ball in the hoop. That's really simple, but it's not easy. Well, it's the same with this concept of coming together because we live in a really divided world today. So it's simple to say, let's come together, but it's not really that easy. But what I want to suggest to you is that we don't make it harder than it has to be. So so let's start simple. Let's say this, that if we're going to come together in 2021, why don't we start with the people closest to us, with our spouse, with our family, with our dearest friends. And, And really that's how it happens. So the principles that we talk about apply to marriage, but they also apply to every one of your most significant relationships. And for that reason, I am so glad that my best friend, who is also my wife, Corinne, is joining us today. Welcome, Corinne. Thank you. (laughs) So today we're going to ask the question, what do I do if I'm bored? That's a great question. So what I want to start with is I want to start with the whole concept of boredom. Okay? Boredom is an inside thing. It's not an outside thing. Boredom is a subjective thing. It's not an objective thing. Do you understand what I mean? Like, On my phone, I have a little game called Tower Defense 5. I play it when Corinne is in winners or home sense, okay? And I find it really fun, like using little darts to pop little balloons. I bet you might find it boring, and that's okay. Or if I asked you, man, what would you think about this idea? Calling a two-hour timeout in the middle of the day and having a nap. Like A lot of people would say, that's so boring. But ask new parents what they think about that idea, and they would say, that is so fun. Another example would be this, Corinne, how many times do you think you and the kids have watched the Lord of the Rings extended DVDs? Extended. That's 12 hours. 12, yeah. I don't want to exaggerate, but I would say dozens, dozens of times all the way through the 12 hours. Okay, so three movies, average runtime of four hours, dozens and dozens of times you've watched it. You know what's crazy? There are people in this world who have never watched them at all. And there's others who have started watching them, but shut them off because they were bored. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard for me to understand. So here's the thing. Bored is an inside thing. It's not an outside thing. It's a a subjective thing, not an objective thing. Like there's nothing that's objectively boring. Maybe watching the Toronto Maple Leafs play hockey. That would be the only thing that I could think of. But, But really, it's an inside thing. I love the way that G.K. Chesterton put it. He said this. There's no such thing on earth as an uninteresting subject. The only thing that can exist is an uninterested person. Well, that's awesome. So you might think at this point, I'm going to make fun of you. Like, you know who's bored? Boring people, you big loser. That's actually not what I want to do. I I would prefer to empower you. I want to suggest to you that if you're feeling bored today, that the most effective, the most powerful, the most logical next step for you would be to deal with you. What's going on inside of you that would make you bored? So here's what I want us to do today. We're gonna start out by talking about the reason that we are bored. 
And then I want to tell you a little bit, we're going to tell you a little bit about how boredom has played out in an interesting way in our marriage. And then I'm going to tell you the solution, the solution to what do you do if you're bored. Okay, make sense? It's simple, but it's not easy. Because we live in a, in a culture today that is probably the most highly entertained culture in history, and yet, at the same time, the most bored. And Kern's going to tell you one of the reasons why. Well, I don't think any discussion about boredom within the context of marriage would be complete if we didn't look at our social media use. And that's not to say, you know, everything about social media is bad. Um, that's not what we want to do here. We just want to take an honest look at the positive things that social media brings into our life and the negative things that social media may be bringing into your life and into your marriage. Social media may be responsible for stunting our emotional maturity, for keeping some of us in emotional adolescence well into our adult years. Just think about it. When you're a teenager, and I know this was true for me when I was a teenager, I thought a lot about the attention that I was getting. The attention that I would get through the clothes that I wore, through how I looked, through the friends that I had. And sometimes during those adolescent years, we even modify our behaviors to get the attention mm -hmm. that we want. But when we really think about it and when we look back, it's sort of an addiction to a fake life, isn't it? We're getting attention from all of these places for something that isn't even real. Well, social media can keep us in this addiction long past the time that our natural progression of life would have us move past it, move out of this addiction to attention, this fake life. Like you grow up, you get married, you have kids, and let's just face it, let's be honest, you're not very interesting to people anymore once you're married with children. You sort of fade into obscurity. But let me just suggest that fading into obscurity is the best thing that could ever happen to you. What social media can do, if we're not careful, is it can interrupt and stagnate the process of emotional maturity. And we can remain in this emotional adolescence where we're addicted to attention, where we're getting our affirmation through the attention that we receive. So, I would just ask you today to be honest with yourself. Take a long, hard look at how social media is affecting you. Mm. What is it feeding inside you? How is it affecting your marriage? Take an honest look at it. Because God really wants to use this time of obscurity in your life. Just you and your spouse and your kids. It's kind of like a cocoon. Obscurity is the perfect incubator for growth and for change. Hmm. So embrace it. So there's a verse in the Bible that doesn't get enough attention, doesn't get the attention it deserves because it's sandwiched right in the middle of probably the most popular and one of the most beautiful passages in all the Bible. Hmm. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard this. But in the middle, in verse 11, there's this verse. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, when I became a woman, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And I just want to encourage you today to put the ways of childhood behind you, to embrace obscurity as an incubator that God wants to use to grow you and change you. So what's your plan? What, what's your plan for social media? And let me go as far as to say this. If you don't have a plan, get off of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Because if you're going to social media, just kind of drifting there to alleviate your boredom, I would suggest that in the long run, uh, it will do the opposite of that. Like social media will increase your jealousy. It will increase your dissatisfaction. It will actually increase your anxiety that you're living a boring life compared to everyone else. And it's not just social media, by the way. Remember we said at the beginning that boredom is an inside thing. And anything that we try on the outside to alleviate what's going on, on the inside, it just doesn't work. St. Augustine of Hippo said this. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And I love the way that Dallas Willard says it. He says this, human desire is infinite by its nature. It cannot be satisfied. You must take your stand against it because you can't satisfy it. You can never get enough money if you want money. You can never get enough power if you want power. You can never get enough love. You can never get enough glory. It's impossible. So fundamental is this truth that every person who wishes to follow Christ must understand it. He spoke directly to the point. Unless you lose your life for my sake, you cannot follow me. Unless you take up the cross, you cannot follow me. The cross means the acceptance of limitation on desire. Without establishing this for yourself, there can only be frustration and worse for you simply can't satisfy desire. If we're going to live a life of abundant sufficiency, we must be focused and intentional in standing against these dreadful roots of the self-life. Until we have done that, we will be incapable of entering by faith into the life God longs to give us. Desire is infinite, partly because we were made by God, made for God, made to need God, and made to run on God. We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite, eternal, and able to supply our needs. We are only at home in God. When we fall away from God, the desire for the infinite remains, but it's displaced upon things that will certainly lead to destruction. So why are we bored? Well, really, we got infinite needs inside of us, and we're trying to fulfill them with non-infinite things outside of us. That's really the answer. Okay, so I just want to shift things a little bit now, and I want to talk about how boredom played out in our life. And it did not really play out in a traditional sense because we've talked about this before. I've lived my whole life at a really breakneck pace, like driven by adrenaline at an unmanageable pace of life. And so for me, when I slowed down a little bit and started to see boredom on the horizon, the story of boredom in our life is more the activities that I would pursue in order to avoid any semblance of boredom in my life. So here's one quick example. So in the years that I was teaching school, okay, school would end, say, on June 30th, and there would always be about a one-week break for me between the end of school and the beginning of all my summer activities, whether that was marking History 12 exams or basketball camps or volleyball camps or tournaments. I would have about seven days off. And you think to yourself, oh, Mike, that must have been really nice. You kind of like wound down and relaxed. I, I didn't. I found other things to keep my mind occupied. And Corinne can speak to that. So this was just like clockwork. June 30th, every year for 11 years that you were a teacher. So imagine this scenario. All of his energy, all of his adrenaline, all of his drive to succeed suddenly doesn't have an outlet anymore. And he would turn his beady eyes on me and my methods of household management. So remember last week we talked about how much Mike used to work when our kids were little. So for 10 months out of the year, I would be pretty much a solo parent. And then Mike would have some free time and he would come home and he would start saying things like, you know, Corinne, there's far more efficient ways that you could be doing that. 
or, you know, your life would be so much easier if you just worked on your time management skills. So it's funny now, but I can assure you I did not find it funny at all at the time. We would fight so much during that time, because that's what Mike does when he's bored. He couldn't understand why I would get so mad. Maybe it was just that I didn't have a teachable spirit. That might be it. Yeah. No. Anyways, so now we know what Mike gets up to when he's bored. Like when he has to sit still for more than four minutes in a row at a time, he causes all kinds of problems. Like I have endless stories that I could tell about this. The staff have endless stories that they could tell about what happens when Mike gets bored in meetings. Okay, so here's another story. Christmas morning, this was like a few years ago, and Mike's a really early riser generally, but, but I hadn't finished everything that I was supposed to do the night before, so I had to get up really early Christmas morning and put the presents under the trees and whatever else. So I got up in the dark and I crept out of the room so that I wouldn't wake Mike up. And I went and I did what I needed to do, left Mike sleeping, and then the kids got up and we were sitting and we were waiting for Mike to get up. And I was actually kind of happy for him because he never sleeps in and he was having a nice sleep in on Christmas morning and we waited and we waited. Eventually the kids were getting annoyed. So I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go wake him up. So I go into the room and he's not there. He wasn't there. He had gone to the gym. Let me explain. I'm not going to give you excuses. I'm just going to tell you the story. Okay, on that particular year, I had just preached six sermons over the course of two days. So Christmas Eve comes, and I was still kind of running on adrenaline. Now, when I'm full of adrenaline, I don't have any trouble getting to sleep. I just wake up really early. So on that particular Christmas morning, I woke up at about 4 a.m. So I'm lying there, and I'm thinking to myself, Oh man, like what am I going to do? We don't have little kids anymore, so no one's going to be up for hours. And here I am, and I'm awake. And when I wake up in the morning, I don't know how you wake up in the morning. When I wake up in the morning, I'm like awake, like fully awake. So I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I think I'll just go to the gym. This is awesome use of time. Now at the time, we were actually staying at a cabin out at Cultus Lake. So it took me a little bit of while, but I, I crept out of the cabin. I didn't wake anybody up. I got in the car and I'm driving all the way back into Chilliwack to go to my gym. And I'm thinking, this is a great idea. Like I got a 24-hour gym with a key fob. It's going to be awesome. And I think when I first realized it maybe wasn't the greatest idea is when I walked into the gym and there was like one other person there, only one. And our eyes met. And this is someone I talk to all the time at the gym, but our eyes met and you could tell in that moment that we both felt ashamed (laughs) that we were there. Okay, so anyways, this guy ends up leaving and I'm in the gym all by myself and I'm thinking... Well, this is kind of cool. I'm never in the gym all by myself. And the kids won't be up for hours. And so I just worked out, walked around the gym all by myself, just had a little workout. And then all of a sudden I got a text from Corinne. I would like to read it to you today, but I cannot read it in this venue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I got home. And that's kind of how that happened. And he, at the time, could not understand why we found it such odd behavior. Hmm. So those examples are all in the past, but this kind of behavior is still actually happening to this day because you still get bored four minutes into anything. So I can't even count how many times this has happened. In fact, one happened just on our last road trip to Kelowna. So we'll be on a road trip together and I will want a coffee. And so he will pull into Starbucks and I'll get out of the car to go purchase my coffee. And it takes about two and a half minutes and I'm back with my coffee and there's no mic. And so like, I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe he went parked somewhere. So I'm wandering around with my coffee, looking for his car, no mic anywhere. And I can't find him. And what he's done 
is about 90 seconds into waiting for me, he got bored and realized he could be using his time more efficiently, and he also needed gas. So he went to another location and filled up with gas. He didn't let me know, because you know how hard it is to let somebody know in today's world of, of iPhones what you're up to. So he didn't do any of that, and I was wandering for 20 minutes, and my coffee was getting cold, and he was using his time efficiently. Okay, so first of all, it was about 20 minutes. It was not 20 minutes. But I want you to think about it this way. So this is what goes through my mind. I think to myself, okay, look, Corinne's going to get a coffee, probably use the washroom, and I can go to the gas station, get gas. Not only that, but I'll go into the gas station and grab her a bag of hickory sticks. So we've just accomplished four things in the time that it would take the average couple to accomplish one thing. It's amazing. What he accomplished was my coffee was cold and my blood pressure was really high. Okay, so I'm just starting to figure that out. <laughs> and so what I'm realizing is that Kern's not really looking for hickory sticks or great efficiency. What she's looking for is to enjoy the journey. What a concept. <laughs> what a concept. But for me, that is a challenge. Remember we said before that things can be simple, but they're not always easy. So I have to change. Okay, so can we stop there for a second? And I'm going to give you three next steps. If you're feeling bored in your marriage, if you're feeling bored in relationships, I want to give you three next steps. And maybe you've heard people say before the ABCs of this or that. I want to give you the EFG. Okay, so first of all, you're going to need to embrace effort. You're going to need to embrace faith. And you're going to need to embrace generosity. EFG, effort, faith, and generosity. Look, if you want to change, it's going to take effort. I think it's really important to say that, especially in the context of marriage, because I look around our world today and I see people, and they put a lot of effort into their engagement and a lot of effort into their wedding. Would you agree? So you talk to a single dude and you're like, hey, like you've been dating her for 18 years now. Do you think you're going to maybe tie the knot? He's like, oh yeah, like we're getting engaged this weekend. How are you going to do it? Okay. Okay. Here it is. We're getting a hot air balloon. We're going to float up to the top of Mount Chiam. That's amazing. Like, are you going to pop the question in the balloon or on top of Mount Chiam? Oh, no, no, no. On top of Mount Chiam, we're just going to have a picnic lunch. The hot air balloon is going to leave and a helicopter is going to arrive. Okay. And the helicopter is going to take us out to a deserted island in the Pacific Ocean just off the coast of Vancouver. It's incredible. Like, it's so, like, isolated and peaceful and the ocean breeze in your hair and you're going to get down on one knee and you're going to ask her to marry you. No, 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 no. No, we're going to have cheesecake for dessert at that point. And then the helicopter is going to leave and a float plane is going to arrive. And the float plane is going to fly us down to Seattle. Wow, okay. Okay, and then what? Well, we're going to scale. We're going to illegally scale the Space Needle. In fact, I'm going to put it on my back. I'm going to climb up the Space Needle illegally. And when we get to the top, then and only then, and I'm going to get down on one knee and ask her to be my wife. Wow. Wow. Like, what are you going to do for your wedding? Okay, okay. Our wedding is going to be this. The wedding party and the bride and groom are going to get in the space shuttle. Okay? We're going to fly up to the space station, the International Space Station, and we're going to do a gravity-free wedding. Right? And the symbolism there is like nothing's going to hold this couple down. You know what I mean? Like not even gravity. You get it? And then you ask them this question. Okay, but what are you going to do for your marriage? A marriage. And they don't get it. Okay. And, and, and so what I want to suggest to you is this. 
I want to suggest to you that anything worth having in this world, including a great marriage or great relationships, takes effort. Yeah, that's one good thing that I've seen come out of this COVID thing. There's so many bad things, but one good thing that I've seen is young people who have decided that they want to start their life together. They want to get married more than they want the dream wedding. Mm. And so they've sacrificed the dream wedding so that they could just begin their marriage. And I think that that's been really cool. We've had two COVID weddings in our family. Um, we've had one friend that's had a COVID wedding. And it's been really cool just to see that change in their mindsets. Yeah. So if you're in a place right now where you're feeling like your marriage takes a lot of effort, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. You're building something beautiful. It's amazing. And you know what's crazy too is that as you put in effort to your marriage, you know what's happening? You're changing. I guarantee it. So the first thing you need is you need to embrace effort. The second thing we need to do is you need to embrace faith. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Like the richest man who ever lived, King Solomon, you know, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And so you think to yourself, that guy would never have been bored at all. And yet in Ecclesiastes um, chapter one, verse eight, he says this, all things are wearisome. More than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. That's crazy. Like that's a thousand options for him. (laughs) And he was bored. Yeah. Crazy. I really want to drive this point home. Because you need to embrace faith. I want to read this quote from John Mark Comer. He says this, That towering intellect of the 13th century, Thomas Aquinas, once asked this question, What would satisfy our desire? What would it take to feel satisfied? The answer he came up with was this, Everything. We would have to experience everything and everybody and be experienced by everything and everybody to feel satisfied. Eat at every restaurant, travel to every country, every city, every exotic locale experience every natural wonder, make love to every partner we could possibly desire, win every award, climb to the top of every field, own every item in the world, etc. We would have to experience all to ever feel, okay, that's enough. Sadly, even if we had access to unlimited funds, time and space still have a pesky way of getting in the way. So let's talk. Your boredom is not an outside thing. It's an inside thing. And what I'm telling you is that I have the faith that God can change you on the inside. One of my favorite passages comes out of Psalm 103. Listen to this. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We need to embrace faith and understand that infinite desires on the inside can't be met by non-infinite things on the outside. So we never want to say things like, you need to look in the mirror, you need to change, and then not give you any next steps, any concrete things to do, because we know that that can be discouraging. You know, you hear a sermon like this and you think, You know, there's a lot of stuff in my life that I need to deal with and I need to change and I don't know where to start. So we want to give you a couple of places to start. So first of all, I just want to recommend a book for you that I have really loved, that has really helped me 
make the changes in my life that I have needed to make. Because it's not just Mike that's needed the changes. He's always very honest here. But I've had many changes that I've needed to make too. And the book is called The Emotionally Healthy Woman and it's by Jerry Cesaro. And I have just loved this book. I found it so impactful. She talks about eight things in her life that she had to quit in order to step out of a really superficial, inauthentic spirituality into true freedom in Christ. And this book really opened my eyes. I would say it's in the top three books that have, that have really changed me, even though it's not about the Enneagram, although she does have a chapter about the Enneagram, which I was delighted about. I'm sure you were. And so there's also a book by her husband, Pete Scazzaro, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which is amazing. So here, what do we need to do if we're feeling bored in our marriage or bored in our relationships? Well, number one, we need to embrace effort. It takes effort. Number two, we need to embrace faith. And thirdly, I'm gonna suggest to you that we need to embrace generosity, the EFG of alleviating our boredom. We need to embrace effort, embrace faith, and then embrace generosity. Way back when we got married, I remember the pastor asked us to pick a verse, kind of as our wedding verse, and we picked 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12. And it says this, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. And it's funny when I think about that because I don't think back then we were like spiritual giants. Nope. And you know what? Right now we're not either. We're just ordinary people who love Jesus and are trying to live the best that we can. But I think that that verse was prophetic because I think we have lived our lives trying to allow our love for each other overflow and impact others. You know, and what I want to suggest to you is I haven't met many bored people who are incredibly generous. I haven't met really selfless people who complain of not enough to do. I haven't seen boredom as a really big problem with anybody who wakes up every day going, how can I leave this world just a little bit better than how I found it? How can I leave my spouse today just a little bit better than before I got there? How can I make a difference in people's lives today? So I really, really want to throw you a curveball. Yes, yeah, embrace effort, yes. Embrace faith, but also embrace generosity, the EFG of alleviating your boredom. So just before we close today, I just want to thank you again for being here. We're really praying for your marriage. But one of the things that you heard us talk about a lot is that we don't want to alleviate infinite desires with anything but an infinite God. And I want you to know that that infinite God is your heavenly father and he really, really loves you. Loves you so much, in fact, that he sent his son Jesus into human history to die for you and to rise again for you. And yeah, it's for the forgiveness of sins and salvation, but it's also for a real purposeful, non-boring life that can start now and can impact the world around you. And so what's your next step? Well, your next step is just accepting that free gift. Jesus gave his life. He rose again for you, for the forgiveness of your sins and for strength for today, hope for tomorrow, and the promise of eternal life that can start today and stretch into eternity. So I want to give you that opportunity to take that important and powerful next step in your life that, by the way, will impact every other area of your life. So if you've never accepted that gift from Jesus, I want to just pray, and I would invite you to just pray along with me wherever you're at right now. So let's pray. So dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you came, you died, and you rose again. I invite you today to be my Savior. Please forgive my sins and give me a clean slate. And also, thank you that you rose again, Jesus. And I pray that today, right now, that you would give me the ability to step by step, moment by moment, become the person that I was born to be. 
live the life that I was created to live today, tomorrow, and forever. Thank you that you make it all possible. In your name, amen. amen. So if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I would just love you to do one thing for us. Could you just text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We don't want to stalk you, but you better believe we want to support you as you take this incredible next step. I'm so excited for you. And other than that, we love you guys. Thanks again, Corinne. You're welcome. And do not miss next week. It's going to be amazing. We're going to talk about what do I do if I hate myself. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.